If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a dentist. But instead of filling you in on ways to save on your policies, he'd probably be too busy filling in that loose crown. Or you could talk to your local GEICO agent, who will use their expertise to polish up your policies, from home and auto to renters, motorcycle, boat, and RV too. So while, yes, your dentist can save your smile, your GEICO agent could save you money, which will make you use that smile a whole lot more. To find a GEICO agent near you, visit geico.com slash local. My first plan to spice up the NFL season was to add man-eating tigers to the game. <laughs> We lost a lot of great players that day, and that was my bad. Now I'm bringing you the Caesars Sportsbook app. It's got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesars rewards, people. It's even better than Tiger Ball. Must be 18. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The Sex Edwardton podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. Hello and welcome to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I am a sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay. And folks, I have a confession. I am sick with something. Yeah, I've been diagnosed with a recent illness that makes me unable to love men. It's called diabetes. So yeah, I am diabetic. Sorry, I don't think there's a cure for that. But I guess that's a disability I'll have to live with for the rest of my life. Who knows? (laughs) Speaking of disability, that's what we're talking about on today's show. And here we have the queen, the lord, the knight, the icon. She is the moment. (laughs) She is the legend. (laughs) Um, Andrew Gerza. Andrew hello, Gerza. Hello, 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 hello. Oh my God! Hi, Andrew. How Hi. the hell are you? How are I, you? I, I well, IBS is real, uh, <laughs> but other than that, I'm great. How are you? Oh my God! She just finally got vaccinated after how long of waiting Fully? and being turned down? I know. Uh, my first dose. I get My number two on Tuesday. Ooh, yes. Lucky, lucky you. I'm still waiting. I get number mine. two on Tuesday. And after number two, when I'm good <laughs> to go, I'm going to get injected by other things when I'm done. Yes. Yes. And it's time. You would think that after all this time, they would find a way to inject us with a vaccine through getting nutted someone's, into. Yeah. Through someone's come. Can we figure that you out? Know, can we like start developing a patent on how to like... On how, know, how to yeah. get on how, <laughs> how to put vaccine, vaccine in semen exactly like yeah, I would please. love it if the vaccine was available through Chris Evans bareback. I would love nothing more. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, <laughs> or whoever you know. Yes. <laughs> Any no hot ginger, <laughs> like just just come over and put it in me. It's fine. It's fine. It, mm, yes. <laughs> oh my god. It's okay, fine. Andrew. I. <laughs> love your energy. I love that you're here. But for the people who literally live under a rock and have never heard you, tell the people about yourself. Cool. Hi, my name is Andrew Gerza. I'm a disability awareness consultant, um, content creator, and the host of the award-nominated podcast, never one, but award-nominated podcast, Disability After Dark, where I talk about sex and disability and all the things related to that plus so many more things um i do a bunch of public speaking around the the issues of queerness and disability very very active on social media talking about queerness and disability and just the experience of living disabled um 
And yeah, that's a bit about me. That's so cool. Like I discovered, or sorry, not discovered. I went to one of your workshops on sex and disability uh, through ASPUSH, A-S-P-S-H. And oh, nice. Yeah, that was totally amazing. And I was like, I got to have you on the show. I got to find some, I got to build up some sort of courage because like, it's be like, I think now. you're hot. Come talk to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. right. No, because, and also like, I, I just got a little starstruck and I was like super shy. I've seen you on Scruff and I'm like, hmm, do I say have hi? We, have we talked to each other? Have we, have I, have we talked to each other on Scruff? No, because I've been so nervous. <laughs> oh, well, see, well, we don't have to now because we'll, okay. we should. <laughs> We should talk to each other after that. Yes, we can finally have our hot girl summer. We have if our you hot g- girl. We can have a hot gym summer. Is what we're gonna have. <laughs> Wait, is is that a uh, a term specifically for uh, the disabled community? I made I it up. Like... I made it up right now. I made oh, it up okay, right okay. now. So it's okay, a term. It's a term it's for me. It's me. <laughs> it's all hot you. gym summer. Oh my god, I love it. You said that you're a disability awareness consultant. What does that mean? That's a term that I'm sure I stole from someone on the internet, but I have co-opted it to mean that I want to talk about how disability feels, because often when we talk about disability, we start and stop with accessibility, and we don't go any further than that. So when I chose to be a disability awareness consultant, I made two very purposeful choices. One, I didn't want to be an activist because that's not my role. I didn't want to fall into the angry disabled person trope that a lot of, that a lot of people see. And, and well, I think it's okay to be angry and disabled because ableism is real and it happens to a lot of us. I felt it was more important to um, to sit with to to sit with non-disabled people and consult and talk about things and give them a chance to learn and grow and to really bridge the gap between non-disabled and disabled and do so in a way that was not shaming, not yelling at you for not understanding, but saying, let's talk about this stuff. Let's bring it into your world together. I love that because shaming almost always never works. Like No, never, uh, never. Like that that account, have you seen that account on Instagram, Gaze Over COVID? Like, yeah, every single gay guy has seen gays over COVID. And it's just not helping with the whole pandemic. And it's like, we're just spotlighting people. So I love that your approach to disability awareness is through more of like a, it's coming from a more compassionate place rather than like, you're so dumb. How did you not know this? And like, like, I'm just trying to learn. (laughs) Yeah, like I really don't, I don't think the, yelling at you and calling you an ableist and doing all this stuff is listen there are moments where that's totally valid and fair but if someone is Mm -hmm. generally just trying to learn and they make a mistake i fucked up too like i i've made mistakes in in queer spaces in trans spaces like i've i've totally made mistakes and when somebody taught me what to do in a way that was compassionate i learned better so that's the kind of the the role that i'm trying to do with disability i love that i mean if like you want when we're in bed together you can totally call me an ableist and just shame the hell out of me i mean am i gonna be shaming you with my dick (laughs) because do whatever you want (laughs) fair enough fair enough um you just dropped a couple terms that i want to clarify before we know how to carry this conversation so what exactly is disability Oh, that is a loaded. Do you have five hours? It's a, it's uh, a, it's a heavy it's, question, it's, but like you know, <laughs> um, uh, great. It's a great question, though. Uh, disability is defined, oh, in like ten different ways. Really, for me, I'll just say from what it is for me. For me, it's something that impairs your day to your day to day experience, where you can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. So for me, I can't walk. For me, I'm a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. For me, I need help in the bathroom. I need help with getting dressed. like, And I have a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. So for every single disabled person, I think the term disability is different. But generally, it's something that impairs your day-to-day ability to do certain things. Okay. So how does that... How are, 
maybe I guess the better question is how does your disability specifically affect you as a sexual being? Um, most people assume that I'm not sexual. Most people assume like I have to be, you've seen me on the apps. And so, you know, like I have to be very outgoing when really in reality, I'm super shy and I'm, super you're like, a big fucking slut. <laughs> I mean, yes, I am. I will not, I'm not going to lie to that about that, but I am, but also like when it comes to the emotional side of sexuality, because people have denied me so much, I get, I, I, I get scared of people not understanding disability, not being willing to like try. And I mean, you know, I think I get I get told, asked on the apples all the time if my dick works, if I'm able to fuck, if I'm like, if I, you know, will they have to take care of me? All these things I get asked all the time. So it's not so much my disability that impacts my sexuality. It's, I mean, yes, it does. Of course it does. But what impacts it more, I think, is the assumptions from other people. And that is more... Uh... Or is that how like ableism starts to like show itself within our society? Not so much in our society, but in just ableism is everywhere. Ableism for someone who doesn't know what that is, it's basically a system of oppression that keeps disabled people down. So when we make a joke about people like Donald Trump being unable to hold a cup, like that was a big thing that was a few months ago, or like, you know, so-and-so being unable to do this because whatever. When we make jokes about people's abilities, that's ableism. And so, like, when we when we deny somebody a job because they're disabled, that's ableism. When we, you know, assume that my dick doesn't work, that's ableism. So it's a real, it's a system that says disability is not important. I'm going to choose an able-bodied person over a disabled person, period. Whether we're talking about sex, whether we're talking about, like, just the world we live in, if you choose to ignore disabled people, you're participating in ableism. So that is so interesting because I, I that's me as an able-bodied person, that's not normally something I think about until, like, it's presented to me. And now it's kind of like hitting me that, wow, there's actually a lot of things that in the world that make it easy for me with like my two arms, my my two legs, my two dicks. Like I can. What? Two? <laughs> wow. I wasn't aware of this before we press record. Wow. You heard it here, folks. Wow. I, when are we hooking up? When are you second vaccinated? When can I? We'll get it all soon, baby. Once we're all I mean, done, we're out of the global pandemic. Just dip me down, daddy, please. Like, wow. wow. Um, oh, my God. Wait, I'm younger than you. How am I, daddy? How much younger than me are you? I'm 28. Girl. Yeah, I'm a baby. Oh no! I don't think I we know. can have sex anymore. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. Maybe, we totally get. <laughs> Maybe I'm just lying to you to make it seem like you're a cradle robber. Is that kind of your thing? Huh? I mean, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. <laughs> but uh, but you know, you, we, you know, you were talking about ableism a minute ago, and similarly, like you're a person of color. So similarly mm -hmm. for you, like as somebody who's an Asian dude, I'm sure you experience a lot of racism on the apps. A lot I of do. like. So Ugh. it's not, it's certainly not the same, but it's similar in the way people talk to us and the way people assume that we're, you know, they probably assume you have a small dick. They probably assume that you are passive. They probably don't even talk to you because of your Asian heritage. So like that, I mean, it's again, not the same, but very similar in the way we were discriminated against. Yep, exactly. It's like, I can't control this. I can't control the amount of pigmentation I have in my skin the same way you can't control the fact that you have cerebral palsy. So yeah, why the like, hell do you have to treat me so differently? Like, fuck. Dude, if you, <laughs> like, how how do you know that, like, Asian dudes don't suck dick real good? Like, what, like, it's 2 a.m. and you're looking for a blowjob. I'm offering it to you. What are you doing? Being a racist? I mean, cool. I literally got paid to have sex with people in the past. So, you know, I'm giving you that quality head when you hit me up. Wait, I just I just need to double check. Um, 
are you gonna charge me for a session what is, what <laughs> no, is, no 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 i am like my last escorting thing was probably like in 2015 and i haven't done that since so i now I mean, listen, just i support sex workers and i work with sex workers so like if you if you need some dough let me know <laughs> oh speaking of sex work i had a subscription to Himeros, which just expired i probably need to renew it and i believe you did a video for that damn right i did damn you right did. i did oh my god yes that was so hot that was yeah. so hot please tell me your experience as uh, a disabled person doing a porno it was you know i i had worked with um davy wavy before consulting on another film he wanted to do about disability and sexuality and then so we knew each other and we done some videos together and like he he's a nice dude so he said to me like i know you want to do porn i know this is something you're into an opportunity came up for for maybe you to do a, a homemade porn would you want to do it and i was like of course like what's the what's the what what do you what do you need and he was like well you'd have to find your own uh, scene partner so i emailed my friend who also does sex work and my primary sex worker that I see, John Shield. And I said, like, yo, do you want to come and fuck me like we usually do? But also, do you want to, like, get paid for it and get do it on camera for, like, a scene? And he was like, all right. And so we sat down and we figured out, like, we sat down for about three hours before we did anything and figured out which scene would work with my disabled body and where would the wheelchair go and how would it be shot and how would it be done and all this stuff. And so the point of me doing it was not so much to do a porn, like, yes, that was hot, but also it was like, this is going to be groundbreaking for men to see a disabled person, not only getting pleasure from somebody, but they'll also see me giving pleasure to somebody. And I felt like it was really critical for me to show that because first of all, I'm a giant whore, giant whore. But also, I was like, I just want to, I want to show this on camera. I feel like this is important. So you've seen the scene, and there are scenes in that, in that, in that porn where, like, I'm getting in and out of my chair, like I'm being positioned, like you see how I get in my bed, and he undresses me, and all these things that are how I actually have sex. And I felt like these scenes were we never see this in porn. So it was really, as much as it was a porn, it was also I feel an educational film. It was so important, or at least for me, I feel that it's so important that we see more uh, disabled bodies in porn and in other forms of media. Because, of like, I mean, you can probably attest to this, but there's probably a very poor representation of dis of disability in media. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Ooh. I mean, it's sort of getting better, but it's not really getting better. Like, we have some pretty good representation with like special and stuff like that um that show on netflix by my friend ryan, ryan o'connell like that's a great show um and you know it's getting better but it's not taking too long and oftentimes we're using still using non-disabled actors in in disabled roles and it's like we, we just need we need more disabled people writing writing scripts and writing stuff and like particularly for porn I think I'm one of two disabled gay male porn stars that's like I wanted to do it that's in a porn. So like we're not, it's not very popular because I think studios don't know how to market that. And like I know how to market myself. Like you've seen my, you've seen what I do. I know mm -hmm. how to make, I know mm -hmm. how to market that. So like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but I mean, that was, a, that scene was, was so fun to do. It was really fun to shoot because John and I had worked together. We worked, we still work together. He's my primary sex worker. And when it wasn't COVID, like we would see each other twice a month. And so we were very comfortable with each other. And so it was just like, it was literally like us having a session, but oh, there's a camera there. So like, I was very, very comfy to do it. And I mean, some of the reactions that we got from there were like, wow, I've never seen a porn like this. Like, wow, it's really important. Like people were just excited by the fact that a disabled person was, you know, getting laid on camera. And I just think it it hopefully will change the game when we talk about um, disability and porn. I'll be honest, when I was watching it, I almost felt like I was interrupting. <laughs> oh, why? Because there, it was just this, like, this level of intimacy 
that I felt like that should have been shared between you two. Like, yes, I paid for the subscription and you know that you're on camera, but there was this like connection between you and John that I was like, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this, but like, this is, this is kind of hot, but also like, should I look away? I should give them their private time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know each other. We know each other super well. And I'm, we're very close. And like, we, you know, even in the midst of a pandemic, we don't, we haven't seen each other in a year, but we talk all the time and we're very friendly with each other. So that intimacy, you know, it took us a while to build that. And so that's why when I was asked to do that scene, the only person I considered was John. Cause I was like, I trust him the most. Like we really have built a trust with each other. And like, I was his first disabled person that he ever slept with. Um, and so, you know, that building that trust with a worker like that, because I've had, I've had experiences with sex workers that weren't super great. that didn't go well. And with him, I just feel safe. So like, he's my primary one that I'll, whenever there's an opportunity, like when it's safe to fuck again, he's the first person I'm going to be calling me. Like, so we have hours to, to, to use here. Um, but like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's really, really great. I love that. Are you, would you be okay to talk about like some of the conversations that you and John have before having sex? Like how, how does like negotiation or like what can and can't we do? How does that go down? I mean, we know each other pretty well by now, but the first couple times he would ask me like what I needed and we, I would have to tell him. And so it's just, it's just being very direct about what your needs are. And like, like, him understanding as a worker what I want and me also understanding what, even though I might want something, what can my body actually do and what can my body actually withstand? And if the ultimate goal is you just want to come and you both want to like get off together, let's figure out ways to do that that aren't super hard on the body or aren't super painful or aren't super like hard to do. So, I mean, we've had conversations about like, positioning but also like when we're together we just laugh we just we're sometimes with him it's just nice to be naked in a room and not have the expectation that we have to fuck like sometimes we just hang out at one point he came over and i think we had a nap for half an hour just with each other like it was just nice to to be together so like you know it's not our our relationship as client and worker is not so much like there are certainly days where i'm like come over and, and let me like suck your dick for an hour and like choke me, you know, choke me out with that dick. But also there are moments where I'm like, I want to just be with you and I don't want there to be any expectation. And like at one point we, like when it was COVID safe, we, we would walk around my neighborhood and go for coffee and just spend time together. And that was almost more intimate than say like, let's, you know, fuck for an hour. Like, yeah, that stuff's fun and nice. But my goal with him is to just, have those moments because I've never, you know, I don't often get to do that. So he is, he's somebody that I can trust to just be intimate with him. Whatever that looks like is great. That's so cute. Oh, I love that. I, it also took me a while to develop that kind of relationship with a sex worker I'm currently seeing because ooh, as much, it, ooh, his name's, <laughs> I'm planning on having him on the show in a future episode. So that we His can talk about who, sex mm -hmm. do He's I know, hot. Do I know him? Girl. Probably. I'll I'll like link you a picture or something, but he's yeah, yeah. absolutely send gorgeous. Me, <laughs> I mean there's deeds, and does he need a new client? I'm just gonna <laughs> throw it out there. Oh, he's absolutely hot, and he's the only guy that I go to to meet like my sexual needs when like a stranger, some random rough trade can't meet my needs. I'm just I like mean, hey. Yeah, you call me, beat me. You want to reach me? Wow, Kim Possible. Yeah, she's my queen. Um, so there's a whole bunch of myths that revolve around sex and disability, and feel free to like you know correct me if I'm wrong. But these are some of the myths that I've seen regarding uh the disabled community. So I know one is like. Disabled people can't have sex, therefore they don't need sex education. Yeah, that's that? a load of crap. Of course we do. Yeah. Uh, and we need sex education taught to us by disabled people. Um, unfortunately, when we talk about 
sex education and disability if we do at all, which is very rare. But if we do, you'll notice that most of it is attached to risk assessment. So the, what, what tends to happen is if your child is disabled and they have sex, they might get pregnant. If your child is disabled and they have sex, they might get raped. If your child is disabled and they have sex, they might get an STD. So that's all true, but there's not the other side of the conversation, with, which is if your disabled child or your disabled student or this disabled person has sex, they might enjoy themselves. If your disabled person has sex, they might get pleasure. If, the, if your disabled person has sex, they might feel good about themselves. Like There's no discussion of disability, sexuality, and pleasure, and that, I think, is a big problem. And it always, always, always needs to be taught by someone like you, a big slut who's also disabled. I mean, yes, big disabled sluts should be teaching sex work, <laughs> should be teaching sexuality courses. But also, oh like, I, I think, you know, there are different, I only have one experience of disability. So I think a whole bunch of sex educators should be doing this work and should be paid handsomely to do it. So, like... We just need, but in order to, to do that, the education system needs to confront its own ableism and figure out why it's so hesitant to bring disability and sexuality together. Like, like the reason, the reason why I have a job as a disability consultant is because nobody wants to talk about this shit and I do. Mm, very true. That's kind of like bringing me back to this uh, experience I had where I hooked up with a, with someone who's deaf and uh, that was really interesting because, because I'm just thinking like, okay, uh, when we talk about disability, we only think about like the physical stuff that we see, but we don't really talk about like other types of disabilities, like the, I don't know, deaf or blind or um, what else is there, like a mental disability. So when I was having sex with this deaf guy, I, I, I was kind of like trying to figure out like, how do I, how do we communicate each other's needs effectively? Yeah. Uh, because for me, my, la my love language is physical touch and words of affirmation. So I want when you to fuck me. When are we having sex? When are we doing that? <laughs> when is it happening? Let me know. <laughs> well, figure out all the details later, baby. <laughs> yes, please, please. please. So, um, so when I was having sex with this, with this deaf person, uh, I was telling him, like, my love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. And I don't know, like, how my, my gut reaction was like, how am I going to get my words of affirmation needs met with someone that I'm having a communication barrier with? And he's like, just like, use a notepad, tell me what you want to do or what you want me to say. And I will type it and I will like, I'll choke you. I'll like you know, just caress you to say that I think you're special because I like being <laughs> a little corny <laughs> as much as I like being trash. <laughs> I mean, I like both those things. Yeah, so right. You're, you're a corny trash whore. It's, exactly. Yeah. That's it. I am the leftover shit that you see after dinner. Just undigested oh, no. corn. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I love that. Mm, that's me. Oh, speaking of dirty talk, like, do you, is there like some sort of like terminology that you and John use for your like bedroom uh, scenes? Um, not really. Like, you know, as with most gay men who fuck each other, it mostly ends mm. in like, fuck yeah, do it this way. Like, but there's no real like we. We, depending on the context, we'll joke around about, like, disabilities. I can't think of a specific example, but we'll joke around about disabilities sometimes. Like, I said to him in our first meeting, I want you to be okay making jokes with me in the bedroom. Because if I can get you to laugh at disability, then it will make you, it'll make you less afraid. And if we can laugh at it together, then it'll make our sex better. So, yeah, we have, you know, depending on the context of what's happening, we'll joke around a bit, but... I can't think of anything specifically. Yeah, because that was my my fear. Like uh, when I'm hooking up with a disabled person, I don't want to like walk around eggshells all the time and like really get out of my head. So it's like trying to have that or trying to navigate that conversation and like 
I don't want to say anything offensive, but also I really like offensive in bed, you know? Um, give me an example. Like, okay, I've heard in one of your episodes that you were called a potato. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> so, like, yeah. if someone that you were just hooking up with called you that, like, and, and like, you didn't really know them that well, like, is that something that you would negotiate? Or, like, how do you go about yeah. that? I mean, I think there would be negotiation about like, hey, so I like I would say to them like I like to make jokes, I like to play around with my disability. Can we talk about that? Of of course, there's negotiation like like, but I think once you're comfortable with the person, like I would want them to say like, ooh, you're like a hot cripple or like you know, none of that is a problem for me. So I just think it it really just comes down to another form of communication and a discussion about what feels safe. Because for you personally, you're comfortable with that. But like, I feel like there would be other disabled people that have specific boundaries. Oh, yeah. A lot of other disabled people would say like, that's not, don't call me that. Like, Mm. I had one sex worker who I I haven't seen since come walk into my house one day and go, oh, you're so handy capable. And I was like, excuse me, what? Oh, where did, where did you learn that term? And he goes, oh, I heard it somewhere. And I thought it would apply to you. And I was like, cool, but you didn't check with me, though. And then later during our sex, because I had already paid him for the sex. So when we when we were fucking, he was whispering in my ear, like, you're such a good person. You're so beautiful. <laughs> and so I stopped and I was like, excuse me? What do you what do you mean? Where are you getting this from? What do you, what do you mean I'm a good person? And he was like, you have such a big heart. And I was like, how do you know that? And he goes, well, because you're disabled. And I was like... <laughs> You don't know what I, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I called you here for. Like, maybe I'm the worst person in the world. You don't know. (laughs) I can't breathe. That's so funny. Like, I don't want to be called a good person in bed. Call me a fucking faggot. Call me trash. Like, I don't want to be told I'm nice. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like, like, choke me out. Don't tell me that I'm a good, Yeah. It was, oh it, was very, it was very bizarre, but like I think, for me, I think using that language with non-disabled people, if it if there's consent and there's a discussion, it makes it harder and it makes it more fun for me to show them also parts of my life that are hard and parts of my disability experience that are not comfortable. If I can get you using language that gets us both laughing and shows that you can see the disability as a part of my life, and if we can make a joke together, then it's not as scary anymore. Mm-hmm. And like I can like make a joke and be like, "Hey, oh, hey, you're gay and disabled, so that means you're a fruit and a vegetable." Like, I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good one. I don't oh, think yeah? I've heard that one. In a, I don't think I've heard that one in a while. Uh, <laughs> I thought that you would like that. <laughs> I did. I did. It's it's quite. It's it's not Creative. original, but it's good. It's still good. It's not original at all. But like, not, no, not so even in the least. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Um, I know there's like another myth that I've heard that like uh, disabled people can't get aroused or are just basically asexual, which is obviously untrue because of what you've been telling me. But where does that also, come from? Like you watch my porn, you saw my dick, you saw mm-hmm, that it was exactly right. Well, so where does the from... idea? Yeah, sorry. Where does the idea of of disabled people being unable to get aroused come from? from centuries of the idea that being disabled is bad and having a disabled person is a sin and them not being able to be aroused is because, you know, it also feeds into if you have an accident or if you become paralyzed, then you lose all function. So there's this overarching idea that if you're disabled, you must have had an accident. You must have been normal one minute and then had a car accident and then become an accident victim the next. So I think this narrative of can't get aroused comes from everybody assumes you're paralyzed, which the the experience of disability is so vast and so different for every single person that you can't, to assume that and to think that's how everybody, how every disabled person is disabled is through an accident is super ableist. Like, and that's a, it's a huge problem because I was born with my disability. So like people always say to me, what happened? And I go, nothing. I was born. How are you? 
Like, nothing happened to me. And this idea that you... And also, the idea that you have to show some physical some physical reaction to getting aroused is also cerebralist because I have... I know friends who have been paralyzed and who can't get aroused through their genitals but can get aroused through other ways or get aroused through different erogenous zones. And it doesn't mean they're not enjoying themselves. It just means they can't get an erection. It doesn't mean their their genitals are still not valid, still not worthy, and still not okay. So this whole idea and mythology is super wrong. Like, just because my dick's hard doesn't mean I want you to, like, jam your cock in my throat. I mean, do it. <laughs> usually it does, and usually I do. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. 100%. <laughs> One hundo. <laughs> um, there's also this myth I've heard that when you're disabled, you should, or only disabled people fuck other disabled people. Not true. I mean... We just like anybody, we can fuck anybody that we want to, and whether but whether we're disabled or not, um, it really depends on like the person you're with, and if they have disabilities, great, and if they don't, great. But this idea that we should only fuck our own kind is again kind of the eugenicist and super like again super ableist, and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. feels gross to even think about. But like, if you want to only fuck disabled people, then that's that's your choice. But the idea that an able-bodied person would assume you have to only fuck disabled people is a problem. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with twenty-four-seven access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch. Yep. Or a doctor appointment from my car. If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car. Couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at uhc.com. Plan benefits may vary. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with 24/7 access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch? Yep. Or a doctor appointment from my car? If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car. Couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at uhc.com. Plan benefits may vary. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a home decor overspender. Hi, Joe! I made a breakthrough. I found HomeSense. It's unreal. So many brand name sofas. I bought one. Oh, wow, really? It's okay. The prices, so low. Lighting, unexpected. Rugs, handcrafted. Wall art, eclectic. I go back like every week. <gasps> no, it's always different. New unique decor, same great savings. Every time you go. Field trip. HomeSense, standout pieces, outstanding prices. Mm, mm. Oh, speaking nothing but facts and in English, you're bilingual. <laughs> I'm laying it out. I'm laying it out. <laughs> you're laying it out just like how I want to be laid out. Just like, mm, do whatever you want to me because I'm lazy and tired. I mean, I'm here for it. Let's go. Call me. <laughs> um, there's another myth I've heard about like uh, disabled people, since you guys don't have sex, that there's no way for you to be sexually assaulted. Hey, folks, I just want to put a little bit of a trigger warning right here. Um, the moment I'm finished speaking and the moment you hear Andrew start talking, We are going to be talking about sexual assault for the next four minutes. So if that's not your thing, please skip four minutes into uh, the recording. Uh, But if this is something that you do want to listen to, I suggest that you listen to it with the right mind. And this is his story that he's sharing. So it might be triggering for some, it might not be, but I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up. It is an important part of the conversation, but if it's not your jam, I totally understand. So uh, yeah, just skip ahead four minutes the moment I'm done talking. So see you guys at the end of the episode.
not true. Disabled people have some of the highest incidence of sexual assault in the world. Um, I think in the States, it's 80 to 90% higher than the average person. Um, so it is extremely high. And it ha- it, it's happened to a lot of my disabled colleagues and friends and and almost to me at one point. Um, so it, it is, it certainly has happened. Um, and to assume that we can't be sexually assaulted is untrue. And we need more resources for disabled people who have experienced sexual assault or rape um, because it does happen at a much higher frequency. Oh my God. I didn't realize it was that high. 80 to yeah, 90%. It's, it's oh pretty my God. High. And like, not just online, but also, or not just in real life, but also online. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, saying that I've heard of people saying that somebody will come in and say, well, I want to rape you because you're disabled and you can't move. I want to do all these things to you. Like it can be really, it can be really, really dangerous. Also for a lot of people with intellectual disabilities who may not have the, the wherewithal to communicate what happened. A lot of them are sexually assaulted and then unable to recount what happened because of their disabilities. So we need, we need more sex education. We need more protection for people who have actually been sexually assaulted. And we need to understand that while sexual assault happens, it isn't the only way that disabled people engage in sex because I think that's also a big myth too, that the only way disabled people will have sex is through sexual assault or they'll be sexually assaulted and that's the only way they'll experience sex. And I think we need to really talk about how that's a narrative that is being, being, you know, discussed that is wrong. Mm, God, you don't like me as an able-bodied person. I just don't really think about that too much, but that I got to do some more research. But I mean, that's what I'll, you're I'll here sh- for. I'll share my story with you. I mm-hmm. I was with somebody. We hooked up. We met on an app, and everything was going well. We're in my we're in my room. We're fucking around, and he says to me, "Can I roll you over and fuck you?" And I said, "Well, I've never bought him before, so like, no, I prefer we didn't. Can we just keep doing the oral that we're doing?" And I'm quite happy doing that, and it's okay. And he goes, "No, no, I want to roll you over and fuck you." And I said, "No, I don't want to do that." So because I'm unable to. Once I'm in bed, I'm kind of vulnerable and I can't really move. He attempted to roll me over without my consent and fuck me. And I had to like use all my strength to to push him off of me and say, no, we're not doing this. Get the fuck out. So, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that experience. But that's part of why I won't do 2 a.m. hookups anymore because I certainly don't feel safe. And so one of the benefits for me in working with a sex worker is that we get to talk about all the things that I can and can't do. And we get, you know, you build a trust, but you know, the incidents of sexual violence against disabled people are very real. And, you know, it's something that happened to me or almost happened to me. And it, it was scary. I remember feeling really kind of upset afterwards because I was like, I told him no when he kept trying to roll me over. And I realized also how vulnerable I was in that moment as a disabled person. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so heavy. Um, Listeners, I know that was a little heavy. If you need a moment, take a pause and breathe. If you want to keep going with the episode, please feel free to do so. If not, I also honor that. But this is a very important conversation that we need to have to bring more awareness and bridge the gap between able-bodied people and disabled people and how we interact with each other with more compassion and more kindness. And whew, that was a lot. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing that story. That is truly, it's just not something I, I, I would be aware of on a daily basis. And I'm pretty sure that that affected you in more ways than one, but you're here to share your story and you're here to help make the world a better place. And thank you for that. That is so lovely of you. Well, thank you for giving me the the opportunity to do that. I appreciate it. Oh my it. God. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not an easy story, but um, I think hopefully it'll resonate with people who have also experienced 
sexual assault who are disabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that also brings me to my last myth that comes to mind is that disabled people aren't sexy. Um, hi, you can see me. You know mm-hmm. how, I, and you've you've seen my video. Cutie patootie. Did, did you get did you get aroused? I jacked off to it. Well then, see that myth is not true. <laughs> but where does that come from? Where does the idea that disabled people can't be sexy? What are you talking about? It's just again hundreds and hundreds of years of mm. people saying that disabled people don't deserve to be here. Back in the 18th century and 19th century, there were these laws called the Ugly Laws in both Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. That if you looked, if you looked a certain way or didn't look didn't look good enough to be out in the streets, the police could arrest you. And so, most disabled people who live with, you know, facial disabilities and different disabilities would be taken off the streets. And those laws were not repealed until. 1974 so we had hundreds of years of the law telling us that we weren't worthy we had hundreds of years of of scientists saying that if you reproduce with a disabled person the baby would get sick or the baby would have claws or the baby would you know so all of this mythology says how could they be sexy how could they if all of this like fake science from 100 years ago and 200 years ago is backing it up. And then, you know, we're taught that disabled people can only be activists and disabled people can only fight for accessibility. We're not taught that disabled people, by fighting for sexual rights, we're also doing activism. We're not taught that by Andrew doing a porn, I'm also doing sexual activism. Like, we're not shown that. So I think... Just a lot of mythology, and also people don't have enough space to um, ask questions and and learn. And so that's why I, like I said, that's why I really like to use the title of Disability Awareness Consultant to make you aware of what things are like, but also give you a place to consult and ask questions and learn. I love that. And also, like, this should probably go without saying, but disabled people aren't a monolith. Right? Like, you not. can't speak for all disabled people. We need to listen to more disabled stories, you know? Yeah, of course we do. Like, I am very privileged in that I'm a white, cis, male-identified person. I use they and he pronouns, but I'm a male-identified per- person with a lot of privilege. There are a lot of disabled people who are people of color, who are trans, who are disabled in other ways that don't get the platform that I do. So... I'm very lucky to be able to have the privilege, but even I oftentimes have to sit down and shut up and not speak because we've heard the white disabled story before and that's in, it's important, but it, but there are other stories that need to be told too. Because they also live at a very specific intersection of other like life experiences that you probably will never experience in your lifetime. Exactly, and so I can't and I wouldn't speak to that but I would say come on my show and let's talk about it because they deserve a platform too. And if I can use my white privilege to uplift a voice and let somebody else speak for an hour or, you know, 90 minutes to then say, Hey, they're there too. I'm going to do that as best I can. Well, also recognizing that no matter what I do, I live in a world where racism is real or, you know, ableism is real or transphobia is real. And I have to confront that within myself every day, just like, the average non-disabled person should be confronting their own ableism. Mm, wow. That is a lot to take in. <laughs> did I give you an, an emotional boner? You did. You gave me an intellectual boner, an emotional boner, and like a spiritual boner. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of I'm, I'm, I'm having all of these like thoughts and emotions and just like you're making me want to get out to the streets and start protesting only when it's safe. But like, God, I I, I think it's just, uh, I'm feeling some I sort mean, of I mean, we can anger. protest together in my bedroom if that's <laughs> how, how you want to do it. <laughs> uh, when I'm fully vaccinated and I finally have all these 
antibodies crawling through me, baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. How has the pandemic affected you by the way? Like uh have you had access to John or like you no. how are you meeting your sexual needs? I'm not. It's not <gasps> happening. I've been, <sighs> I've been deactivated for the last year and a half. Um last time I saw John was February 5th of 2020 just before the lockdown. And well, we talk all the time and we'll text a lot. Like I haven't seen him for a session since then. And so it's been really hard because I, my love language is also touch and affection. And I feel, you know, I'm touched every day by my care workers. I have care workers that come in and help me use the bathroom and help me do all the stuff. And they touch me and they do all the things they have to do. But that's very medicalized, very clinical. It has to be for both of our safety. So, so um, getting my sexual needs met has not really happened over the last 16 months, and it's been hard. Maybe next time you can ask one of your care workers to, like, wear a leather harness or something. Just to uh, you know, spice it up. <laughs> I, I feel like none of them would know what to do with that, and I also feel like <laughs> management would certainly come back to me and be like, what happened here? What's this? What's going on? Or, like... Or like come in with that really old school nurse outfit that's like all white with a little hat or like red and white with a cross on the nipples or something. I mean, I don't think there are any, there are no male workers here that I'm like super into. So none of that would, (sighs) none none of that would, it would not appeal to me in any way. Mm. But, and also like I, I enjoy that boundary with them. I like, obviously because. It's a working environment. We have to keep it very professional, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, I'm I, I'm so excited for the minute that both John and I are properly vaccinated because, I, and I've told him this multiple times, the minute this is over, I'm texting you and we're booking, like, a 10-hour session and we're just going to go. Yes! Because it's, it. it's been far too long and I miss it. I really do. Mm, oh, me too, baby. Me too. Uh, oh, something just came to mind. Like, with disability and sex, is there such a thing as fetishization? Yes, there is. Some people will immobilize you, make it harder for you to move if you're a wheelchair user. Some people will say things like, oh, I think you being unable to move is so hot. Yeah. You needing all this help is so hot. Um so it does happen. But I think sometimes I have fetishized myself. Like I'll make jokes about my big joystick and I'll make jokes about, you know, like like I'm a bear in a chair. Like I, I play with the fact that I'm disabled. Um, but I think when non-disabled people do it, we have to be very careful to be like, oh, does that feel okay? Should we talk about this? Um, because fetishization, just like if somebody was like, you know, if somebody said to you, like, you're my rice queen, you know, (laughs) not the first time I've heard that. (laughs) I'm sure not. But like, you know, if you didn't know the person or if you were just talking up and somebody was like, Hey, you're my rice queen. You'd be like, "Mm, okay. That feels weird. Like, yeah. And it would depend on, it would depend on like discussions of what's appropriate. And so like, so like. I, I'm allowed to fetishize myself. I don't necessarily b- believe that other people are unless I give them express consent to make a joke or play around. Like, if I want you to get to know me and I see, like, if I see this is more than a one-time hookup and we're going to hang out and, like, fuck regularly, I want you to play with the fact that I'm disabled because it's fun. But I want you to do so in a way that's consensual and relaxed. Whereas if I just met you and you, like, roll up in my bed and go, I think you're so hot. And I think you're so nice because you have a good heart. Like, I don't want to. That's so weird. Like, I don't want to. No, no, like, no. So I think fetishization is super real. And we have to, we have to, to work to not do that to people. Whenever you say you have a good heart or so nice, I can't help but laugh. That's literally what the guy, that's what the guy said to me. I'm, I'm I'm ready to fuck him. We're going to go. And he goes, you have such a great heart. And I literally pushed him, I pushed him off me and went like, what are you saying? I do not. I would get so out of my head the moment a guy tells oh, me. Oh, my boner went so down. Tr- oh, right. 
Oh my I was God. not yeah, I was not down to clown after that. I was like, I don't wanna I don't wanna suck your dick anymore. That's so funny. I <laughs> I one time had a guy tell to uh he told me mid ejaculation that he's gonna put octuplets inside me and <laughs> Okay. Oh no. And why wanna... was he gonna do that? Like what was his <laughs> I have no idea, but it was, I died laughing. And then he's like, why are you laughing? I'm like, that's just really fucking funny. <laughs> what are you going to do? I leave me a, with all the kids and not pay child support? Like, <laughs> I had a guy once who like started growling when he was coming. And I was like, this doesn't feel like, what are you doing? Like Ooh. growling like a wolf. And I was like, cool. Are you a werewolf? Like what's happening right now? Ow! <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. Um, but you know, I think... <sighs> Being fetishized can be really problematic, and we have to consider why we would. First of all, why would you say this thing to somebody that you're gonna sleep with? Is mm-hmm. it gonna make the sex better? No, you're gonna alienate them. And if mm-hmm. you want to see them again, like don't do that. But I think if if I build a playful rapport with you and say like, "I'll oh, call me a cripple," like call me your dirty crip for the next hour, then great. But otherwise, don't fucking do it. Yeah. So basically we have to like have a conversation before having sex to make sure which words are okay and which aren't so that we're not always in our head all the time. And then we can just like, okay, this is hot. This is not. Let's get down to it. Yeah, exactly. But everybody should be having that anyway, regardless mm. of disability. Right. I love that. Um, so Andrew, we're almost out of time, but I want to wrap this up with uh just a big statement to take it all the way home and i want you to tell the listeners what they should take away from this episode how can we be better allies as able-bodied people how can we be better allies to disabled people and how do we bring awareness to disability and yeah what's the takeaway here well the takeaway is being an ally to any marginalized group is a point is earned not appointed so you can't just say, I'm an ally without doing the work. Because that feels disingenuous and not real. Also, to be to be a better disabled ally, think about your ableism. Think about all the all of the, the misconceptions you may have had about disability, but never wanted to say because it's not appropriate. Think about where they came from. And like when I do stuff on sex and disability and talks, people will tell me some of the things they believed that you'll hurt me, that I'm not sexy, all the things you mentioned there, but a lot of people believe that. So confront it. Realize that you have some ableist ideas and do your best to do your own research, do your own work. Like, don't expect a disabled person to do it for you. I mean, I will after we have great sex. I'll be glad to give you all the deets. But, like, you know, don't expect a disabled person to do it for you. Do the work. And be critical of yourself but also also be gentle with yourself and realize that all of us myself included have ableist ideas and ableist viewpoints that we all have to work on confronting ableism and fixing ableism especially in queer communities won't go away overnight but it's something we all can work on it's a marathon not a race oh my god lovely Andrew, you are a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of sexiness. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Anytime. I'd love to I'd love to come on again if ever you need a disabled person to speak about things. I'm the one. Yes. Yes, I love it. And do you have anything to plug? Um, yes, I do. You can follow my podcast, Disability After Dark, on all the podcast platforms. Um you can Follow my work with my sex toy company that I run with my sister called Handy by going to that's handy with an I dot co where you can buy our book on sex and disability um, and and put your interest for our first line of sex toys for and by disabled people. Um, you can follow my work on disability justice on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Gerza underscore where I just talk about all the feelings about being disabled. And um, yeah, all those things. 
Lovely. Thank you so much, listeners. This has been another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. And follow me and Andrew on all social media if you want to see more sluts on your social feed. And until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at SexEdWithTim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! What's the room again? Uh, 1240, down at the end. Ooh, what's that? Sammy, don't touch that. That's someone's old food. Here we are. Do you have the key? You have both of ours. Oh, right. Not working. Rub it. Come on. Try flipping it over. Seriously. Why can't we go inside? Just honey, let me try. Uh, I'm tired. Give me yours. You have mine. All right. What? Please, if you Dad, could just... Why aren't you opening the door? Can everyone just shut the... Don't go there. Go on a real vacation. Go RVing.